And who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl. Welcome back to XOXO, a Gossip Girl recap podcast presented by Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. I'm Joe Lipset. I'm joined as always by Ari Drew. Hi, Ari. Hello. As well as Jenny Nolf. Hi, Jenny. Hello. And folks, we are talking about the season two premiere, Deb Brawl in a Blue Dress. And I think we just kick right into it. Folks, what did we think of this premiere? Oh, this was everything that I had hoped the premiere uh, would be. And I think mm-hmm. even based off of uh, going off of last time, our predictions, I was so happy to see that at least one of my like inclinations about where they would take kind of the villain of the season, um, having Monet join forces for a bit with the um, with uh, Pippa and Bianca. I thought that that was a, a lovely shift that seems to be taking things in the direction that are going to be uh, really enjoyable, at least for me. Hmm. Jenny, what do you think about the debut of Monet as the kind of primary antagonist? I love how they're making her a multifaceted, pro- like uh, antagonist. I almost said protagonist. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was really worried that they would just make her a pure evil villain, but I love the you know added um drama with her mom and how it's kind of a push pull with her trying to gain respect from her mother and it's just a very interesting coming of age story to me and i'm glad that it's not just so one note mhm mm-hmm. yeah so we we talked a little bit about how we felt like luna and monet uh so monet is played by savannah lee smith we barely mentioned her in last week's recap episode because really, she didn't have anything to do in that first season. So it's interesting to see her almost immediately take center stage as this antagonist in this episode. And then we also didn't mention Camille DeHaan, who is played by Amanda Warren, who I didn't even know was her mom when we're introduced to her last season. So this is the woman that Kate, aka Gossip Girl, was running returns for over the holidays. And she and Kate had a big like conniption where, you know, she's a bit of a B word. So it was very fun to see her come back and be like, oh, so this is where Monet gets a lot of this ambition. But also Monet is a bit of a like she's basically being abused by this woman, right? Oh yeah, it's uh, and also Joe, I'm with you. Like that, I didn't even realize that that was her mother. You know, I just thought, oh wow, like Kate's kind of the the errand girl for this uh, this awful parent. And mm-hmm. so seeing that dynamic, and Jenny, I agree. Like the the scene where Kate's hiding in the closet with the other uh, the the other returning teacher, um, and watching just Camille destroy Monet. It, it was so. Like, we were, like, gasping, like, watching it, like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, horrible to see, like, this poor girl. So, it makes a lot of sense, and it does really, I think, humanize the character without, Mm -hmm. you know, fully, like, absolving her. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because Monet is still clearly vindictive and bitter and, you know, all all the kind of things where you're like, ooh, she's going to be hissably bad. And yet, immediately she's more than just a kind of Disney caricature. You know, we understand, oh, there's a lot more going on with this girl and why she's acting the way she does. 
Yeah, I particularly liked the moment where her mother starts yelling at her and then she's just like, but I thought that you would appreciate it because it's making my own way, just like mm-hmm. you. Like, you could see it in her eyes mm-hmm. that, like, it was something that she thought her mother would be proud of her for, but then it just, yeah, the crushing uh, defeat of her mother not only, like, being annoyed by it, but the the whole scheme she had not even working just uh she's gonna be a, a great multifaceted villain which i appreciate in shows like this because it's often so well known yeah yeah and i think um another thing too with that particular scene with them it really highlighted how good these writers are at writing just like the most biting dialogue because oh lord that that hurt to even hear and it reminded me of season one there's like more of a it's it's more in passing but it's um when zoya and julian are having an argument this is after they've had a bit of a falling out but um julian says so much for being the bigger person and zoya says i'll settle for being the better one (laughs) i was like get her (laughs) (laughs) so yeah they've got that they've got that vibe down yeah, this seemed like a very confident premiere. We've very much figured out where we want to take things. We've decided on certain storylines that maybe weren't working. We'll talk about the missing character in a little bit. But overall, I was just so interested that we've got, yeah, this multifaceted villain, like you said, Jenny, but then also the fact that this is a queer woman of color who has like ambition to go up against the other woman of color who is at the center of the show so like gossip girl is very much doing that woke thing that the people who don't care for the show were lobbying against it as though that was an issue or a complaint and i think it's just really interesting that they're not afraid to lean into that like i love that we have a queer woman of color who is going to be a primary antagonist on the show Something I also actually noticed is that it's not only them two, but like then when you put Zoya in the mix and uh, her friend whose name I'm currently like, I always forget. Is it Shan? Shan. Shan, yes. I just liked the idea that like the four main girls from this episode that like kind of jumped into the dog pile were all mm-hmm. not only just women of color, but they're all black women and they made them the primary uh, characters on this show. I just think that's so like nice to see for once Mm -hmm. and it's like there's also well i mean we were gonna eventually get to it but i mean the only straight white male on the show didn't even (laughs) appear in episode one yeah so what do we think of the fact that obi is completely absent from this episode oh i'm completely fine with it (laughs) (laughs) oh to be clear i wasn't missing him i just think it speaks volumes yeah, it's like, who noticed? <laughs> well, first off, I did read that. I think I sent it to both of you, the quote in the Vulture recap, where they said at the end of it, I didn't even notice Obi was absent from this episode until watching it a second time, which says everything you need to know about his character arc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, and I am hoping for the sake of the show and for the sake of the actor that that they will make use of him in a better way this season. Right. There was one moment because I did think so. Whenever they're fighting in the dog pile, um, <laughs> there's a character walking up. A male character walks up and and looks and says something like to the effect of "Uh, never mind," and turns around and walks away. Right. And I guess that that's probably that was probably Julian's dad. Um, but I thought it was Obi for a second, and I was like. Is that his only appearance? But then it turns right. out that that doesn't even look to be him. 
So yeah, no, no appearance, <laughs> which is fine. Fine for now. I mean, I think it's easy enough to write him out for an episode or two and say, you know, because this episode is taking place shortly after New Year's. So we started our second semester of school. But, you know, he could be overseas with his globe trotting mother, you know, doing any kind of investment deal or holiday foreign travel kind of stuff. So I don't think there were plans to write him off of the show because he's still in the marketing. So he will be back. It's just a question of, yeah, like you said, Ari, is he going to be coming back in a kind of 2.0 revamped way where we've got a better handle on what makes the character interesting or worthwhile? Will he be a villain too? Time will tell. I think, yeah, I think with that, just even, I don't know if you, if either of you watched the, this season on Gossip Girl, like the little post episode preview. Yeah. So I watched it. You know, I didn't want to, but it was one of those things where I was just kind of itching to watch more. And that's what I had at my disposal. Um, And yeah, it does look like they're going to be doing some different things with him and with the character that he was dating at the end of season one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which that whole episode I thought was just fantastic, too. It It was very reminiscent of like the wild scheme, Blair and Serena, and then even like the Juliet subplot with Katie Cassidy's character in the original. It felt very similar to that, like getting her so drunk that she makes a mess of herself so there's Mm -hmm. definitely going to be some repercussions from that i think this season well that's good because that's going to make sure that that finale doesn't feel like a random one-off like why do we introduce this character and then not do something more with her so Mm -hmm. i'm happy to hear that yeah maybe obi and girl will be back and doing something a little bit more significant yeah i don't know if y'all remember but i remember uh, gossip girl being the finales were always so underwhelming it was usually like the penultimate episode or the first half of the finale kind of resolved the drama of the season but mm-hmm. then either the finale or the second half it was literally like mostly them just going on vacation or like switching partners and it, it right. would just it was i guess it was meant to set up the next season but i always hated that so i really i <laughs> i appreciated how they handle it this time so one of the other new things that's coming out in this premiere is uh, our thruple are struggling to come out publicly. So Max is very eager to make his public debut, and yet Aki and Audrey are having not quite cold feet, but they just don't seem quite ready for it. What do we think of this drama? Well, it's a coming out story, which I actually find very intriguing i actually um something i did do this week or between us recording is i listened to this podcast um the high low from emirata and Mm -hmm. she talked about ethical monogamy okay and it was just really interesting to like listen to her talk about like polyamorous relationships and throuples in general and just like the the kind of consensus on where and how those work within a relationship and in terms of Gossip Girl, I thought it was really interesting that they're like exploring these two characters who have not come out as queer yet, mm-hmm. but also being very much in love with this relationship that they have created. And a lot of these relationships have to, they revolve around a lot of honesty and just over talking. And I think it's an interesting way to start is that they weren't having those conversations. One of the three was just deciding what they all wanted for them and mm-hmm. i think i think it could be a very interesting dynamic and i'm glad that it's not like a 
we're going to break up again kind of mm-hmm. drama. It's a, how do we make this work? How does a relationship like this work? What does it even like look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't find it to be repetitive initially whenever um, it seemed like there was going to be some drama around it. Like even just giving Luna and Max an opportunity to chat at the end about yes. like, remember what it was like for us? Like, you know, it's, and I think like, I, I love the idea of like, as someone who is in an open relationship, I think that it's really, it's really like another layer of queerness that is very much uh, marginalized in society. Like I mm-hmm. lived in a city previously where that was more common. And Jenny, you can speak, you know, you probably are aware of that too, living in, in Austin. But I had friends who were like, well, everyone's open now. And it was just kind of like there was a stigma around this or everyone's like in a throuple or everyone's poly now. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, okay – it makes it difficult to come out in that way. And I even think about like, what is it like to come out to your family as having a third person in the relationship they originally knew that is an active, you know, valid part of their relationship. And it's not just, you know, I'm your aphrodisiac. It's, Hey, we love each other. And so I, I, I agree, Jenny. I really loved how they started exploring that more in this episode. Yeah. I think, I'm so used to seeing it played for comedy. You know, I was thinking back to the scene in Bros where Billy Eichner's character goes to dinner with all of his friends and a mm-hmm. couple reveals that they've been having sex with a third, but that they're actually in a proper throuple. And he just says, oh, so what? You're just all fucking each other? And He's so disparaging of it. But the movie treats it like, oh, it's a comedy. You know, it's a comedic beat. It's a, it's a punchline. Mm-hmm. And these aren't even really characters. So I think one of the things that Gossip Girl, as we previously praised, is that they're going to give this some proper exploration, right? And this is a really good way to do it by saying, okay, these people think that they're all on the same page, but they haven't even communicated to each other something as simple as how do we want to let people know that we're doing this? No, I love the scene too, where it's like they're all in their bedroom, and then um, I forget whose mother it is. If they're at, uh, I think it's Aki's mom. Aki's, and it's like, hold on, the two of us are coming, and they put Max in the closet, <laughs> which is just like that whole scene again. Obviously, yeah. played for very obvious on the nose laughs, um, but it's you know it was one of those things where I'm like, I remember just looking at my husband when we were watching, and I was like, this poor guy, how awful. Like, but mm-hmm. I do get it. Like, it's really, it, there's a lot of pressure around coming out in, in any kind of way. And the layers of it, whenever it's like queerness, the que- you know, you're a queer person as well, or what, you know, whatever the case is. And I, yeah, it's just, I just love how this is being handled right now. And I hope that they continue to handle it with, with the same amount of care and, and complexity. I also do love how it was, Luna's character that kind of opened Max's eyes on mm-hmm. why they might be acting weird and and she very much was like it's a it's really a not you thing it's a them thing and we I loved the scene where she talks about like well we've been out for a really long time but they've never been out like this is mm-hmm. very new to them and it's new ground and just if if you're really serious about this you might have to be more patient and I yeah. thought that was like a really interesting and very nuanced and beautiful conversation between it the two was characters. So sweet. It was so sweet. I think that that was a really great uh, character based moment for both of them. The show, I feel like, hasn't always given them. Well, Max got his kind of nice arc in that first season. But as we talked about, Luna, it felt like the show didn't quite know what to do with her. And all of a sudden, divorced from Monet, she's got the opportunity to kind of stand alone and really carve out a 
an arc, a path, a position on this show. So I love this idea that she's going to be a bit of an emotional, like, truth-sayer in a way. And I think her working with Max is one of those character pairings where it makes perfect sense, but I didn't see it coming because they've almost never interacted. And the two of them are great together. I love their chemistry together. Just as like, kind of like, uh, you know, they're, they're both bad girls in their own way at times, you know, like they, <laughs> they've lived life they're They've lived in excess, you know, you can tell. And I think I love his acknowledgement of like Luna, uh, Luna law. You may very well be the wisest of all of us. And I'm just like, yes, thank you for seeing show what many of us have seen in her from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though we love her and she has a great new haircut i was oh, gonna say it. and also they gave her a fucking glow up yeah she, she already looks, looks beautiful she did she really did but it's like even more they've really just kind of like the deluxe edition revealed oh yeah well i know ari one of the things that you said in our group chat was that you were excited that we were actually getting a bit of a debutante ball here because that also feels like something gossip girl did on the regular right it was uh big new york events or just parties and glamour mm -hmm. and it's fun to see all these characters get super dressed up because yeah i mean luna looks great with the new hair but also the dress and then zoya's hair at this oh, party everything. and max's yes. blazer i was just like these kids are looking deliciously wealthy and gorgeous okay but can we talk about monet's dress what what are our thoughts on the the blue dress Ooh, scandalous Definitely scandalous in the context of a Deb ball. Um, I grew mm -hmm. up in a in a city where they had I had friends who did who were Debs, and it was Ooh. very white, and it was very yes. you know classist and and very southern, obviously too. But um, but it's just kind of like a traditional, you know. I guess like it's an artifact of like the patriarchy, honestly, and and it still somehow exists in some spheres, and it's just gross. But I love how they address all that. And you see Julian kind of struggling, trying to like justify it for her, you know, for her own gain, obviously, to to help her with her college applications and mm -hmm. and just like the new the ways that they explored this uh, this type of culture with queer people, with people of color in this episode, I thought was a really great way to handle that. And I, you know, I I just think back like, man, I wish I could have been in this circle of people because I wasn't at the time. I remember looking in. And seeing friends and, and their partners or their good friends be very active in this really big event that I was kind of looking at from the outside. And so I really felt, you know, the connection with like, with Zoya and with Shan. So anyhow, to get back to the question, yeah, Monet's blue dress, that would have been, mm -hmm. you know, that is like the disruption of disruptions in that type of sphere. And I, I understand, you know, where she was coming from, obviously, as we talked about already with her trying to explain to her mom what she was doing but i could absolutely see like that type of mom being like you have embarrassed me i am ashamed of oh, you for boy, this yeah. yeah yeah because i think one of the things that ya does often is it will bring forth these kind of old stayed traditions that are outdated they're classist they're racist they're sexist and so on and it has the opportunity to put a new light on them. Like, how how are we addressing this in our current day and age? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is, it is all those things. But this is also still a significant event. And, like, I imagine that a number of those girls maybe needed that to do something for them. Kind of in the way Julian needed this to change her life's direction. And it's interesting to see 
how the mom reacts to that because this is not just her event, but it's also like reputationally her daughter really fucking embarrassed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, admittedly, I was like uh, going for a more silly reaction, but I loved the conversation because I just, I think the dress looks like a prom dress, and I was like, "Nay, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> I I was surprised that it isn't bigger and poofier because all the white gowns that we see the other girls wearing like you said Ari they're they're very sort of southern inspired right they look like something that you would see in an old film yeah they're always and those dresses are always like that like I remember looking at them like it's kind of gross it's kind of like a that it looks like almost like a wedding dress and and then your Mm -hmm. father has to present you or whatever and it's just like they have to give you away, literally. Yeah, it's so gross to me. <laughs> That's the thing. So it was super fun to see them like just kind of fuck with that in so many ways in this episode. Well, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the party in the first season where Kate ended up filming, what is it, Pippa and the other girl like fighting over the chocolate fountain or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so Only good. this was so much bigger because we had a bunch of girls in the mix. Oh, I love – and all the scheming. Like, that's what I I especially love that, like, Zoya and Shan bringing in one of the Debs' uh, girlfriends who wasn't allowed to escort her and that Mm -hmm. that whole commentary on, hey, all these changes being made and you still can't allow queer people to be queer, fully queer in these uh, events and – Um, But again, like, I thought that there was so much humor in a lot of it, too, because even watching it, we were just like, this is like a heist movie. That's like Gossip Girl at its finest. Right. (laughs) I found it extremely amusing, too, that Zoya's disruption was just bringing someone's girlfriend and it wasn't like they made it seem like it was going to be so scandalous. And then I love how Julian's like, oh, that was what you had planned. Good for you. (laughs) Well, even the phrasing of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, oh, no one cares. The something like the package too, like do you have the, the package? package? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? Did Chan bring a bomb into this event? I know stage? that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, is it going to be like a stink I really bomb? Thought that too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like hoping she wouldn't bring an actual bomb. No. <laughs> no, that would be so anti Zoya though. Like she could never. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that though. though. Yeah, it's like it's like the the most like the sweetest and most like authentic gesture to that character too to bring someone's partner so they can be and then they're both so happy to see each other but of course it like disrupts everyone else around them and uh yeah i thought that that moment was just so great mm-hmm. Ooh, but were y'all like were y'all gagged whenever you saw monet's plan with the other girls and how they set up julian initially to be completely embarrassed even though she ended up doing it to herself uh monet did with the dad showing up yeah oh my god that is honestly The only thing that I was like, oh, her mom has every right to yell at her for this was like, yeah, you you brought a sexual assaulter into this Mm -hmm. group of younger women. It's like, that's actually not okay at all. It's really bad. messed up. Like, I was like gasping when I saw him there. I was like, whoa. And then, you know, like, oh, I thought you wanted me here. And then, of course, she's like, I don't want you anywhere near me. (laughs) So it's Mm -hmm. just, yeah, it was, that was such a, and and, and as like kind of like a plot goes, that's some pretty nasty shit right there on on Monet's part. I really liked her performance too and how she had her dress like up to her knees at first. And then when she's like starting to feel uncomfortable and talking about what her dad did, she actually pulls it down. Yeah, I noticed that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a great little decision. I don't know if that was like written in or if that was um, on the actress's part, but I, I noticed that as well. 
Well, I have to say, technically, there were a couple of things about this episode that really impressed me. So it was, I think, directed by series creator Joshua Safran. But like some of the the editing and the framing, like the conversation between Julian and Kate in the halls, where they're having a, a face-to-face conversation, but then they're texting as Gossip Girl and Informant, and we're watching and hearing the phones going off and stuff. Uh, there was at least one other shot where I was just really impressed with the, the kind of zippy way that the episode had been constructed. Uh, was it the opening with the cars and the, yes, the 360 yes. shots? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. It just it felt like... I think I said earlier that the show had a more confident vibe and it's not just the decisions we've made about the characters and which storylines we're going to put to the forefront. But yeah, like visually, this had a lot more pep, like we're coming back. We know what we're going to do. You're here for it or get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. That kind of confidence is like what we need in in this kickoff for season two i think especially now that i think people are hopefully finding i think you know season one i feel like it did pretty pretty decently among the target audience i just didn't hear about it as much besides uh talking to jenny because jenny's the only person my age that i knew that watched it at the time (laughs) yes (laughs) i love teen shows Uh, every single one of them i I do too though yeah i really do too and this is something i was always interested in watching but i'm glad to see that it's really living up to kind of the the tone and the arcs that I would hope to find in a Gossip Girl, R-rated Gossip Girl reboot. Well, I'm interested, Ari, that you say, you know, you're not really the target audience, because I do feel like this show has been a little bit more deliberately constructed. I would argue that the use of the adult characters has felt more adult-friendly, like luring in adult audiences than the original run of Gossip Girl. Would you agree? Yeah, so I I would definitely agree with that because and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the adults being focused on, you know, like the teachers especially, um, you know, they're they're a bit younger. They're in their 20s. We have the Win, uh, Wendy and Jordan and Kate, um, but also the parents, you know, they're again, their drama feels more integrated with the kids drama and it impacts their lives in more um I guess like more interactive ways than I can recall the older episodes doing. Yeah, so I guess in that way and I, it's always been smart of them to try to pull in aspects of the original show and for to try to bring in the original audience because again i did watch the show when i was you know when i was younger when i was in college and so i am drawn to that more and i do think it's not it's not quite like me watching you know a cw show that's solely focused on high school kids being mm-hmm. being in high school in suburbia or something so i think there is more relatable here for if you're a bit of an older viewer just to be clear, because Jenny and I are like, oh, but we watch lots of YA shows that don't have any. No, I get it, and I get it. I'm not judging at all. Yeah. I watch, I watch children's television sometimes, so, <laughs> so it's fine. I guess, like, there yeah, for me, I just I expected for there not to be as much for me. But again, I think it's just entertaining. Like I said in the last episode, it's just entertaining to me because it feels so removed from anything that's reflective in my real life mm-hmm. that it's just also like watching a fantasy story unfold and it's super entertaining and everyone's really nice to look at so yeah so speaking of the adults and maybe we can wrap up with this final little quick round do we have any first impressions of mike Shubin? so this is the classics teacher who comes back takes over kate's office and then gets locked in the closet with her at the dehans so he's played by pico alexander and 
I was struggling to get a read on this character. It seems very clear that this is going to be a new love triangle between Kate and Nick and now this guy. But I'm curious if you two have any quick reads. Oh, uh, first off, he is not just classics. I think he's Russian classics, which mm-hmm. makes him way more pretentious, which I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all here for this crazy, insane, very young teacher who took a sabbatical for two years. What? Why is he so young? Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, hot, the, Jenny. Hot. So many questions about like how he got the sabbatical level at age 30. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I I love the dynamic. I I immediately love how he sees Kate a little bit for who she is. Like, he knows that she is kind of a dirtbag in her own Mm -hmm, way. mm -hmm. Which suggests that he is as well. Yeah. Oh, totally is a dirtbag. I'm like, I can't wait for another teacher that is, like, bad, but maybe not in the way that the... um, Rafa was previous Rafa mm-hmm. was bad. I'm like, that's boring. That's said and done. Like, I want right. I want some guy that's like, no, I like being in this school and in this drama. But why? Why does he like being in the drama? Why mm-hmm. does he get the bottle of liquor that costs like half the school's tuition? I gotta know. Yeah, I yeah, I thought I got the same vibe. And just when I saw them interacting at first, and I love like her trying to be really sly about getting him to invite her as the date. Uh, Kate trying to get him to invite her as the date for the dead ball and then the other two just kind of laughing at her like oh so much for getting in through the front door (laughs) and then Wendy making the joke about how she only likes it in the back door (laughs) she loves I love I love Wendy we didn't get to talk about her in the last episode yeah she crazy she crazy I loved her joke about uh, January 6th. I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oof. <laughs> no, I love it. Like, I love having that kind of character in this. And she is so irreverent and just yes. nuts. And I think that that's like a perfect. And I and I hope to see them do more with those three together. Because I do like when they're, I've come to like when those three are together and, you know, having their little dynamics. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I love, I love seeing Wendy get some, some scandalous lines this one. But, uh, but yeah, back to the Russian classics teacher. I loved the way it ended with him and Kate, you know, after they had been uh, hiding in the closet together and he was doing something that clearly we don't know about still. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was doing her thing, trying to get Intel or trying to get some dirt on Camille, but just, just kind of how they cross paths uh, at the stairwell and then just kind of go their own ways. They're like, Hey, yeah. I'm not going to ask you why you were in there. <laughs> so don't ask me essentially. It feels as I said numerous times, just a lot more confident. Like season one, they would have had a longer exchange. It would have been more on the nose. And here it's like, we don't need words. It's just, we're going to look at each other and go our own way. And we know, like, we can read everything we need to in just that exchange. Exactly. Yeah, it's not treating us like we're dumb. Like, we don't need we don't need all this explained. And it's not that type of show. Like, I think it knows no. now what we need and what we got it with them, I thought. Yeah, I'll be interested because uh, after he has his initial exchange with Kate, we actually see Monet get excited that he has returned. So I think he is her favorite teacher or something to that effect. So I'll be curious to see why he was in her house looking for dirt on her mom. Yeah, same, same. I'm very, I'm very curious to see where they take that character. And I bet you anything they are going to bang it out before this season's over. Oh, God. I can imagine. I'm sure they will. (laughs) Oh, you mean with Kate? With Kate, yeah, yeah. No, not another. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no. No, Monet doesn't. She's not interested in men. (laughs) No, she's not. She's not doing whatever. No, she. No. Let her do her own thing. That we know of now. Yeah, who knows in this show? 
<laughs> but speaking of, so where do we think the series is going to go in episode two? Yes, we know, folks, episode two is already out. We're taking this one week at a time, one episode at a time. So uh, where do we think we're headed next? Ooh, I would love to see Mr. Russian Classics, like, just create this huge wedge between Nick and Kate. Mm-hmm. And I loved the mini scene where he was like, oh, I see you found another uh, invite into this event. And Nick mm-hmm. is like slowly piecing the pe- like together why she's there. It brings back to my prediction that I think Nick is going to not necessarily find out Kate is Gossip Girl, but find out Kate is meddling with the teenagers in a way that is very inappropriate maybe by the end of the season right oh yeah and then i think it's yeah i could see that too and i could see that blowing back up in her face because she was so high and mighty about him taking money from Mm -hmm. um julian's dad and i yeah i can and again i appreciate that they didn't drag on their their rift beyond this because she apologized and you know they kind of seem to make up a bit but yeah there's definitely going to be some drama there with with those three um Mm -hmm. and then of course as we i'm sure we all know by now based on the the preview for the for season two initially that Georgina is going to be coming back and from the original season and so she's definitely going to be messing with with that as well and kate i believe so uh, i'm excited to see how that dynamic ends up fleshing out with this new a new generation of characters Mm -hmm. yeah i'll confess i don't really have a good handle on things i'm interested to see how obi will be reintroduced to this i'm curious to see if our thruple has now started to communicate and we're going to get like a more proper coming out scene still uncertain about what we're doing with zoya she very much felt like a bit of a secondary character in here the stuff with her and julian kind of cat fighting over space i was like all right this is fine for now but i don't want this to persist throughout the season i do not think it's going to be something like zoya discovering who her new best friend is because that little mm. mic drop at the end where Sh- shan is like that. oh yeah by the way i'm like the richest person in the school bye <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah i'm actually really excited to see what they do with those two because i do like shan i, th- I thought that they were great mm-hmm. together in kind of their little scheme to embarrass julian so to speak by bringing the you know the other deb's partner in um, but yeah, I think I think really with Zoya, it's going to be more about her discovering more of her own identity, because that was really a big focus of introducing Shan is, mm-hmm. you know, helping her recognize, hey, I don't really have anything that's for myself. It's always right. been Julian's friends and Julian's places. And so I, I'm excited to see more of Zoya get fleshed out on her own right. Right. Yeah, I very much hope that. And especially since Shan is now going to be this series regular it's like cool well let's use her let's give her more to do especially if it makes way a little more interesting (laughs) okay well we will find out if our predictions are true or on the right path next week but uh if folks want to talk about the premiere with us and only the premiere please do not spoil future episodes for (laughs) us uh ari how would they get a hold of you yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Ari Drew. That's T H E A R I D R E W, and uh, happy to chat about theories for this season with anyone who's interested. All right, and Jenny, what about you? You can find me at Jenny Lee X three three, and that's Lee spelled L E I G H across multiple platforms, including I forgot to plug my favorite TV platform, Serialized. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> last episode. <laughs> 
Nicely done. Yes. Find Jenny and I on Serialized. Uh, I can be found at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And if you want to get a hold of the show, you're using the regular HKHSPod hashtag or HKHSPod at gmail.com. So until next week, when we're talking about episode two of season two, XOXO. XOXO, babies. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip.